Good morning, good morning. Welcome uh, to church on Palm Sunday. We're glad you are here with us. Uh, we got about 40 seconds until we start, and I just wanted to let you know something really quick. Uh, We've been doing this new song called It Might Get Loud, and I know it can sound like it's a little bit of an affront, like we're trying to make some big grandiose statement. Uh, there's one line, and it says, why can't I praise him as loud as I want? And again, that sounds like a big affront, like we want to get loud and burst the seams and those type of thing. I just want to let you know that we don't see that lyric in the same way. We think the author is simply saying, you know, why am I inhibited? I know I want to praise him, and why can't I do it as loud as I really want to? And so that's how we view that thing. It's not like we're trying to make some big, grandiose statement. I want to let you know it's a great song. We love to worship together, and it's a fun one. So with that, stand up. Let's worship the Lord. And all your friends that come late, tell them to get here earlier. Let's come to praise him this morning. Yeah. Whoa. Excuse me for a minute, but I have got a song to sing. It might not be on key, but it's from my heart. And no one else can tell what the Lord has done for me. This might take all day, so I better start right now. Maybe my get loud. Crazy as loud as I want. Why can't I praise him as loud as I want? 
just thank you for your faithfulness, God, for your mercy. And God, we know we have hope in you, Lord. We know that no matter what, God, you're going to rescue us. You're going to be there, Lord. We just thank you. Wanna thank you, Jesus? Testimony of your goodness and the safety of your presence. Tis so sweet, tis so sweet to only trust in Jesus.
You're my God. You're all together, love. All together, all together, wonderful. Sing it out, church. Oh, and here I am to
you're new to us and you don't know who I am, my name is David Hurtado, one of the pastors around here, and we're so glad you're with us. Whether you're online, whether you're in the building, whether you're on your patio right now, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have so many things going on this time of year. Uh, it's a very fun time of year. I hope you guys have found this yet. Uh, you can certainly go out in the lobby and see this. We are doing a scavenger hunt for you families wondering what you're going to do with your kids next week, spring break scavenger hunt. Uh, there are all these items listed. You can go online and find this, or you can just get one of these, and uh, you need to go to all these places, take a picture with your family, and if you do that, and then uh, tag the CamCC main page with the hashtag Easter at CamCC exclamation point. You have to do that. Uh, you can win a prize. We're going to be giving away a, a family pizza dinner. Uh, there's also a four-pack of tickets to a movie. Uh, if you have six people in your family, sorry. And uh, also you could win an, uh, like a Nintendo Switch. So now here's the deal. You got to do all of them. You got to tag appropriately. We'll see all the pictures. But the real the deal is we think a lot of families are going to do all of them. So you got to like be creative. The more creative you are at your pictures, the more chance you'll have of winning the prizes. So we wanted to do something just fun uh, for this uh, time off together to just inspire you to do things as a family. So hopefully you'll take us up on that this week. Also, we have Easter coming up. So on your, uh, your chairs, you found this little card. It says homecoming. It's our Easter theme. We'll take a break from uh, our First Corinthians series for one week, and we'll do kind of a topical message on homecoming, which is attached to a song that we'll do together. I'd love for you to consider uh, bringing yourself, your family, your friends. Maybe there's somebody that you can invite to watch with you online. Uh, all those type of things, and make sure that you're a part of this. We know that uh, most people will come to church because of an invite from a friend. So we would love for you to see you guys take that seriously and use this as an opportunity, like a divine moment, where God can maybe use you in the, in the life of your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, those type of things. So make sure you avail yourselves of that. With that, all right, we got to get started. I've been a warning about this weekend for about a month now. Uh, this is the weekend where we deal with some things on a heavier nature. So, uh, but before I do that, uh, one more thing I forgot to say. Uh, this Friday is Good Friday. And we are going to be having like a time together on Good Friday. I've invited my old professor from the Masters University. His name is Dr. Will Varner. He'll be taking us through uh, the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples as if you were there. So you'll be there kind of presently watching what Jesus would have said to his disciples, how that coincides with Passover, and then we'll take communion at the point that Jesus would have uh, kind of demonstrated communion with his disciples for the first time during the Passover meal. You're not going to want to miss that. Totally free of charge. My favorite, one of my favorite professors at the Masters University will be here on Friday, so make sure you come back to that. Now, uh, if I were to ask you a question, uh, one of those type of questions that's a yes or no question, but it has no good answer, I wonder how you'd answer. Like if I asked you a question and the yes is condemning and the no is condemning, like how would you answer? Where would you go after that? Like there's no good answer to the question. But you're asked anyway, and you're kind of required to answer. Let me tell you what I, let me show you what I'm talking about. Like if I asked you, have you stopped beating your wife yet? If I say, yes, I've stopped beating my wife, well, then that kind of admits that I used to beat her. And if I say, no, I haven't stopped beating my wife, well, then that kind of says that you're continuing in the process. Another question like it is, have you stopped cheating on your husband yet? Well, yes, I have. Oh, then you were cheating on your husband. And, well, no, I haven't. Well, oh, then you're still cheating on your husband. You might, you might be tempted to say, I can't answer the question the way that you've asked it. Like, I can't answer with a yes or a no. Both are condemning. Both 
say that I've committed some atrocities that I don't want to admit to. You might say next question or I refuse to answer or something of that nature. I say that because our topic today is kind of like one of those situations. We're going to dive in the text, and, and no matter whether you land in Camp A or Camp B, it's kind of a no-win, because if you land in Camp A, you're going to make the Camp B people really upset, and if you land in Camp B, you're going to make the Camp A people really upset. It's a difficult no-win situation as it relates to what we're talking about today. In fact, there are two sides, if there are two sides possible, these, this particular topic, like, is responsible for the fragmentation of Christian communities all across the world. It's ironic because if we go to the title slide on our, on our uh, 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 promotion, you'll see that it says 1 Corinthians. What does it say under there? Unifying the body of Christ. In fact, I want, to, I want you to say it with me because we're going to do this today. Unifying the body of Christ. Uh, the whole purpose and theme of 1 Corinthians is to be unified, and yet this chapter, or these chapters, chapter 12, 13, and 14, have been the most divisive of the church for centuries. So we have to be very, very careful on this matter. Today we're going to talk about whether or not these sign gifts are still available today. Uh, are these miraculous gifts that were certainly present in the first century, are they still around today? Are the revelatory gifts around today? Are the sign gifts around, the miraculous gifts around today? And there are really two camps that I want to kind of put this on the screen for you uh, that you need to know about before we get into this discussion. The first camp is called cessation. Say cessation. cessation. The second camp is called continuation. Say Continuation. Continuation. All right, so let's look at these. The first camp, cessation, actually comes from the word ceased. Uh, the idea is that uh, the sign gifts have ceased to be available to the believer today. They're no longer available. They have ceased. Uh, cessation comes from the word cease. Uh, secondly, the sign gifts were, a limited, they were limited to the foundational period of the church age, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. And so this was foundational for the church age until we got the scriptures in hand. Now that we have the scriptures in hand, these gifts are no longer needed. Holding to this view would be people like Charles Spurgeon, uh, R.C. Sproul, uh, Albert Moeller, who is the president of Southern, uh, uh, the, the seminary, the biggest seminary in the United States is the Southern Baptist Seminary, uh, John MacArthur locally, Tim Keller would call himself 80% a cessationist. And so these are people who say, you know what, I see the scriptures, these are foundational uh, gifts that were given only for the first century period, and they are no longer necessary now that we have the scriptures. That is cessation. But there's another camp called continuation. So you can have cessationists or continuationists. And the continuationist camp believe that the sign gifts continue to be available to the believer today. The sign gifts are not just uh, for the church age or the beginning of the church age. They are biblically mentioned throughout several ages, like in Joel chapter 2, like in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, like we're looking at right now. And even in the future in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3, you see gifts around. They are around the past, the present, and the future because they're always to be around is the idea. Holding this view would be John Piper, uh, Wayne Grudem, Chuck Colson, Sam Storms, Jack Deere, and several charismatic movements in the charismatic denominations. Um, 
And this has been written on a ton. And again, our effort today is going to be to discuss this as a church united, not allowing ourselves to be fragmented because of this topic, but instead we'll say, you know, we're going to give deference to those who have different uh, experiences in these realms than I do. Like, I'm going to give deference to you and what you say you experience. I'm going to give deference to you and what you're experiencing, what you have seen, and your background. I, just because I don't have a gift in that direction doesn't mean that I'm going to judge you in your gift. And hopefully you'll do the same for me. I have certain giftings and I've experienced those. I can tell you about them. There are some that, some that I don't. Today we're going to attempt to put away any squabbling over spiritual gifts and simply see what the scriptures have to say about this area and learn from it. Why is squabbling over matters fruitless and, 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 and what are the eternal ramifications anyway? What does the word of God say about these gifts in the temporal sense and in the eternal sense? How should eternal realities affect our conversation over these matters? For that, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you brought a Bible with you, hope you did. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd like to give you your first one. Certainly go to the back and say, I'm new here and I want a Bible and we'll give you one. We'll even put your name on it for you. Uh, and uh, if you open up your phone or your tablet or your uh, online right now, open up another screen, a window, get to the word of God where you can highlight, you can circle, you can underline and dive into this thing with me. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 8 through 13 together today. Overarching question today is why is squabbling over spiritual gifts fruitless? Why is squabbling over spiritual gifts fruitless? Because they're temporal in nature. Why is squabbling over spiritual gifts fruitless? Because they are temporal in nature. They're, they're temporary. Temporary in nature. They're not something that we need to be squabbling over. Let's look at that in verses 8 through 12 together. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease, and as for knowledge, it will pass away. This can't be regular knowledge, because knowledge will always be around. It must be supernatural knowledge. It'll pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child and thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. Why is squabbling over spiritual gifts fruitless? Because they're temporary in nature. They're temporal. What he's talking about here, and the main point is, he's saying, uh, uh, squabbling in this area when these are temporal activities or temporary activities makes no sense. And you gotta understand that's what they were doing in Corinth. And who's got the higher gift and who's better and, and who's louder and, and who's got the gifts that everybody wants and how does that make you more prominent? Remember they like to climb up the ladder of like social strata. Who's gonna look at me more and higher and bigger if I have this gift? And that's what they were doing. They were ranking these things. He's saying, listen, this is, this is a dumb thing to squabble over because they're all temporary in nature. He goes out of his way to talk about the three that they love the most, the tongues and prophecy and knowledge. And, and this works really well with, 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 with what they uh, valued societally. Remember, they loved it when traveling orders would come in town and give us, impart to us some new knowledge so we could be higher and smarter. 
right? And prophecy, understanding the mysteries of God, that makes me smarter. Everybody's going to look at me. And then tongues, I can speak in the eternal realms. I can speak in, in languages that, that, that they talk in heaven. I, I, I've already crossed over into the eternal state. It makes me higher. And so he's talking about their favorite three and saying, you guys are diving into these things, and this is kind of fruitless to, to squabble about because they're all temporary in nature. He goes out of his way to say, as, pro- as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease And as for knowledge, supernatural knowledge, it will pass away as well. We know partially right now, we prophesy in part right now. There is a day when perfection is coming, however, and at that point, the temporal will pass away. He says it, for we know in part and prophesy in part in verse nine, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The idea there is to abolish, be abolished, or to cease, or to pass away, be stilled. Uh, I like the word uh, be gone or superseded. You won't need these activities, you won't need these abilities anymore because they'll be superseded at some point. The question is, what is he referring to when he talks about the perfect? When the perfect comes, these things will be abolished, cease, pass away, be stilled, gone, be superseded. Partial knowledge will be displaced by perfect knowledge. The Greek word for the perfect here is teleon. It's a word that actually is used uh, quite frequently in the New Testament. And the word can mean perfect or complete. Perfection or completion. Uh, when, when, When perfection comes, you won't need these things anymore. You won't need these gifts. When completion comes, you won't need these gifts anymore. And so the obvious question is, what does the perfect refer to? Some believe that the perfect refers to the scriptures. That once the scriptures are complete, we won't need these anymore. Does that make sense? Once the scriptures, and remember, go, go put our minds back in the first century. We have the book of, uh, the letter to the Corinthian church, one of the first writings of the New Testament. Now there's certainly a lot of people talking. Did you hear what Paul said? Did you hear what Peter said? Did you hear what John? But as for the gospels, you're not written down yet. Uh, we got these epistles are coming out, and, and it'll take years before all this is put together into one book. And so they don't have, like, present-day direction from God, and they're trying to figure things out. And so they need these supernatural gifts for guidance. Well, once the Bible is complete, many believe, we don't need that guidance anymore. And so those gifts cease. Those would be your cessationists. Because we don't need them any longer. The Bible is completed. Some say that the perfect refers to the second coming of Christ or the eternal state. That's when perfection comes. That's when time is complete. That's when you have the end of time. And so that's what the perfect is referring to. So you're wondering, which one is it? Well, I'm going to keep you on a hook for a little longer. We'll get to that a little later. But I will tell you this. This is one of the reasons why I went to seminary. I thought to myself, you know what? They've been debating this for 2,000 years. I'll go to seminary, learn Greek, and then I'll be able to answer all these questions for everybody. And I'm glad you're laughing because there's a little bit of like, you know, arrogance and hubris to that. Like, really? You're going you're gonna to come on the scene and make this clear for everybody, right? You know, as if, you know, there weren't smarter people in the last 2,000 years. But there was also a humility that I just want to know the Word of God. I'll go. I'll study. I want to know more. And to be honest, what you guys are going to see today is about... 10 years of study into 10 years of different books. Um, I just found another one this week that I just ordered. I'm going to read that one too. 
uh, on this, and I'm going to give you my best shot at it, but I'll tell you, this is something that's divided Christianity, and certainly divided evangelical Christianity uh, in America um, uh, greatly, and I don't want it to see it divide us. I want us to be unified as we study it together. And so, uh, he gives, uh, I will come back to that question in a second, but he gives two illustrations to explain how the perfect impacts our understanding of what happens to spiritual gifts. And I want to reread these, starting in verse 11. Maybe we can put it back on the screen. Uh, simple illustrations uh, or metaphors. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, that's not to say that functioning in your spiritual gift is childish. He's just making a point. A child at some point grows up to be a man or a woman. You transition from childhood to adulthood at some point. That's the only point. And then secondly, a, a, another illustration, for now we see in, uh, dimly, uh, see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now we know in part, then we shall know fully, even as I am fully known. He puts himself in there as well. He gives two illustrations. The one is about the words of a child, and the second is about the reflections of a mirror. Now, uh, this is very, very simple. I remember when Donovan, you know, my Donovan's now 15, 16 years old. He thinks he's going to get taller than me, but it's not going to happen because at the point that he does, I'm going to chop his ankles off. And he swears that he's going to be bigger and better and all those things and um, certainly could be better looking. No, I'm just kidding. That's horrible. No, I, he's actually a really good looking kid. And he's available, ladies. Um, anyway, <laughs> do you guys, you guys have children? I'll give you a couple doves. Okay, not in the notes. Not in the notes. All right, here we go. So, so anyway, Donovan, when he was like five years old, was the cutest little kid, and he had a little bit of a stutter, and he had to work through that, and, 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 and he, you know, five years old, he, I, every boy in the world, Thomas the Train, right? I mean, Thomas the Train was a thing. Uh, we had a local, like, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, a theme park nearby that had a Thomas Train town, and we would get, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, season passes, so we could take Donovan to Thomas the Train. We put him on the train. It's like a two-minute ride. You get off, and he'd cry and cry and cry and want to go. So we go back on it again, and then we get off, and he'd cry and cry. He just loved Thomas the Train, and he watched every Thomas the Train cartoon you could possibly watch, and, and always in Thomas the Train, just like every story, every cartoon, there's a problem because they're trying to teach kids how storylines work, and there's a climax, and, and you, you solve the problem at the end of the story, and, and then everybody goes home is happy, right? That's how every cartoon ends, right? And so Donovan had learned, was learning through this whole thematic, you know, kind of learning uh, that there's always a problem, you know, uh, and Thomas was heading towards the tracks, and, you know, there was a track that was, you know, subverted, and, and if he keeps on going, he's going to fall off the tracks, and, 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 and Donovan had learned that whenever that would happen in the, in the TV show, that there would be some music, like Thomas was heading towards tracks that were bro broken, dun, 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 right? And, 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 and Donovan had learned that and then decided that it was his responsibility to bring the sound accompaniment to any problems that there are in life. At five years old, it was the cutest thing in the world. You wanted, like, something wrong to happen just so you could see Donovan do this. He'd go, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy, Jax. We had a dog named Jax. He was like a, he was like a, 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 like a, a little bit of like a pit bull, but, but he could jump and whatever. He'd jump over the fences all the time. Go, oh, he's a great dog, but a horrible dog because he ended up all the way downtown. He goes, Mommy, Daddy, Jax jumped over the fence and went to the backyard of our neighbors and grabbed a chicken and then brought it back to our yard, and now there's a dead chicken all around our backyard. Ha, ha, ha. We're like, wait, can you tell mom that? That was, that was awesome. 
there was. There was a dead chicken in our backyard and a neighbor who was mad at us because his chicken, pet chickens died. And, uh, and, 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 and whatever the situation was, mommy, daddy, uh, Jacks jumped over the fence. He was running after a skunk and the skunk sprayed him in the face and he jumped back over the fence and he ran, he's rolling around the grass trying to get the, the funky smell out of his nose. Ha, 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 ha. Here's the point. What is extremely cute at five years old is very concerning at 15, 16. (laughs) Can you imagine if he came home today and did that? Like we might call up a mental health institution and be like, you need to take my son. There's something wrong with him, right? And all Paul is saying is at some point, a child grows up and becomes an adult. At some point, these gifts will no longer be necessary because we'll be in a different place and they won't be needed. That's the point of the illustration. And the second point is kind of like it, reflections in a mirror. Uh, Right now, we see through a mirror dimly. Now, you might think you understand that illustration or that metaphor very well and very clearly until you realize that what we have as a mirror today is not what they had as a mirror. When you look in a mirror, ladies, in the morning, and if it says something's wrong, something is wrong. All right, but in those days, if you looked in a mirror, it was a poor reflection. Like they, uh, Corinth was known to be like a, a bronze town. They would make these bronze mirrors. They'd hammer out bronze into a nice little circle, and then they would try to polish it up and get the best reflection they could possible out of it. But it was not like our mirrors where we're seeing clearly like what's happening. You know, you could actually look at the mirror and go, I think it looks good. And somebody goes, actually, you can't see it through the mirror. If you want to get a better idea what that would be like, go home, scrunch up some, some foil, flatten it out and iron it, and then try to get your reflection out of it. And, and you're probably getting a better idea of what they were dealing with. And so he's saying, right now we look dimly through a mirror, and we don't see exactly what we're supposed to see. But then one day we'll see face to face is the illustration I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Right now you see a poor reflection of things, but one day you'll see face to face. I want to ask you a question and see if you can answer this honestly. Does the completion of the scriptures get you to the point where you understand God as if you saw him face to face? Does the completion of the canon, the scriptures, make you feel as if you are, you know as you are fully known? Like the way God knows you, you know God. Certainly when you get to the scriptures, it it does lift blinders off your eyes. Like I didn't understand my spiritual plight until I read the scriptures. I didn't understand that, that, that there was sin in my life and there was a possibility of salvation until I got the scriptures and the scriptures revealed that. And certainly my eyes were blind and now I see for sure. You see all that. But to know as I am known, to see face to face, is there anything that's like a dim mirror, like vague about God? Well, gosh, I would say there's a lot. This passage is one of them. It's like, wow, I'm not sure that, I, that I'm seeing God in HD yet. One day I might, but, and one day I will, but I'm not sure that I can say that as of right now. It says, I will see God face to face, know as I'm fully known. The word there for know is gnosko, used a lot in the New Testament, and usually used of the idea of to know something experientially, like I, I've experienced it, I, I've touched it, I smelled it, I was there, I, I've experientially known this. 
And then it's written in the middle voice, and I usually don't go this deep unless it's really, 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 really helpful to understand things. But when, it's written, when a verb is written in the middle voice in the Greek, it means to be uh, there for yourself. So I, I know for myself experientially is the idea. Can you say that? Like certainly I know more because of the scriptures, and the more I study the scriptures, I learn more. But to really say, I know God for myself experientially, so that I can say, I've seen him face to face. I know him as I am fully known. Do I really know that because of the scriptures? I'm closer to it, but I'm not sure that I can say for sure that that is complete in the scriptures. It sounds much more to me like the eternal state. There will be a day when Christ comes back and there will be a day where we uh, uh, are with God and we see him face to face and we will know as we are known, and we'll see, and we'll, we'll be able to grasp on a different level. Right now we see dimly, but then we'll see face to face. In fact, the Greek word depicting completion or, or perfection, that word teleon that I talked about earlier, it's used in two other places that seem to describe the eternal state. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, if you want to write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24. And it also can be translated the end. Complete, the perfect, the end. And certainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, in chapter 15, verse 24, it's definitely talking about the eternal state. There will be a day where I see him face to face. And in that day, understand this, that these prophecies, these tongues, and this knowledge will no longer be necessary. What this is talking about, I think, is the eternal state. Certainly, I don't know how to get out of it grammatically. So I cannot tell you, this is gonna be the hard part for some people to hear in the room. I cannot tell you grammatically for sure that tongues are not around for today. I cannot tell you grammatically for sure that, that prophecy isn't around today. I cannot tell you grammatically for sure that su- you know, supernatural knowledge isn't around today. Certainly not in the same form as the apostolic gifts. For sure, I would say we don't have apostles anymore, and we don't have inscripturation. Revelation ended that in the last chapter. Nobody adds this book. But as far as there being prophecy in tongues, I can't say grammatically. I can't point you to a verse that says, right there, that's why it's not around anymore. And some people will point to this passage to say that. And I'm sorry, it just doesn't say that. Now, I gotta, I gotta help you understand this. I'm one of those guys who wants to remain consistent, her, consistent hermeneutically all the way through. And if my hermeneutic, which is my system of understanding the Bible, if it tells me something is true of the scriptures and I stand on that, even if, it's, if it departs from tradition, what, what my tradition is or what tradition says or, or what, what my traditional background is, I stand on the word. That's kind of who I, I, I am. The tradition needs to change then if it's not according to the word. That's how I am. And so I would say to you, being consistent with the hermeneutic that I take everywhere I go in the scriptures, I can't tell you definitively for sure, grammatically, that they're not around today. And so I went to seminary, spent like $30,000, $40,000 to go to seminary, and I failed because I'm not able to solve this problem. And I'm not sure God wanted it solved because there's about three or four chapters in the Bible on it. And he left it a little vague. And it may be one of those situations where I just need to give deference to the person and their experience and what they say has happened. 
and they can give deference to my gifting, and I'll give deference to their gifting, and we'll just trust it all to work out, because there's gonna be a day where we go to heaven. That stuff will all pass away, and all we'll be doing is worshiping God together in unity. Probably the most, um, well, let me say this too. Am I skeptical about some of the things that happen today in the name of these gifts? You better believe I am. Um, I'm feeling like there's somebody over here who might have a headache. In a room of this size, I guarantee you somebody has a headache. That's just stats. I'm not prophetic. That's just statistically true. All right, and so, yeah, but I'm just telling you, I've read enough of these guys who have these um, supremely miraculous events, and I just, I'm telling you, they're theological heavyweights. They're not lying. And so, I, yeah, am I skeptical some things go on that seem to come across superficial? Absolutely. But am I saying that those things can't happen? I don't know. I don't have that gift. I can't answer it, and I surely can't definitively tell you in the scriptures that it's not there. But one of the, probably the, the, the biggest, um, um, one of the heaviest arguments against cessation in my mind is this. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 3, there is this talk about these two prophets in the end times that are still to come. If prophecy has ceased, how do we have two prophets in the end times? That's an argument that was brought about by a professor of mine named Dr. Robert Sosi. He since went on to be with the Lord. Unbelievably brilliant and unbelievably humble. It's unbelievable how these guys are so brilliant and humble at the same time. He is known as the father of progressive dispensationalism. Like he started a whole theology. All right, why do I say that? Because people will take that argument and go, oh, that's a different dispensation. For those of you guys who, are, who don't understand what I'm saying, don't worry about it. It's a different age. And here the father of progressive dispensationalism says, no, that argument doesn't work. There's prophecy in the future, and so they cannot be ceased. They cannot have ceased if there's gonna be prophecy in the future. You can't say that Joel 2 has been completely fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. You'd be hard-pressed to do that. It's just hard to be able to be convinced of all that. Well, let's go to something now that does endure past this world, and that would be the, the, the gift of love. Why is squabbling over spiritual gifts fruitless? Because, well, first, because they are temporary in nature, and secondly, because they pale in comparison to eternal significance. They pale in eternal significance. It just pales in eternal significance. What is eternally significant would be love. And let's go to verse 13 to see that. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Prominence should be given uh, to the gift that will last eternally. Uh, uh, preeminence should be given to the gift that will last eternally. The combination of faith, hope, and love is a, a triad that would be very, uh, very familiar to us and to anybody in the first century as well. It's a very familiar triad of Christianity that we come to Christ through faith, believing in things that are unseen. It becomes the hope of our eternity in heaven, and, and all based on the love of Christ, that he would die on our behalf, thereby making us perfect so that we can be in the presence of God. Faith, hope, and love. While you guys are focusing on tongues and prophecy and knowledge, you should be focusing on faith, hope, and love. That's what he's saying. I have a different triad for you to focus on. Instead of functioning in the, instead of functioning in your gifted abilities, why don't you function in the gift of love? 
You've been all about prophecy and knowledge and tongues, and you should be about faith, hope, and love. Now, this would have rocked the foundation of the Corinthian church because there is a segment of them that are thinking, we've already achieved the eternal state. In fact, we can speak that language. <laughs> we've figured it out. We've climbed up the tiers in Corinth. And not only that, we've jumped over into the eternal realms. That's why they love that gift so much. And he's saying, no, you haven't. In fact, when you get to the eternal realms, you won't even use that gift anymore. I'll be gone. Sort of rock them at the core, saying God is not all about your status. He's about the common good. He's about the glory that comes when a body works like a body. So Paul disagrees with their hubris, and that brings us to the big idea of the day. Spiritual gifts not filtered through the lens of love are devoid of God's blessing and purpose. Spiritual gifts not filtered through the lens of love, are devoid of God's blessing and purpose. And this is what they were struggling with. They were ranking themselves, and I've got a higher gift than you, and you've got a lower gift than me, and I'm bigger, and I'm better, and all those. If you, that's not loving. You're not filtering through the lens of love there, and because it's not loving, it's devoid of God's blessing and purpose in the process. In fact, the whole chapter 13, it's like chapter 12 talks about gifting, and then chapter 13 talks about love, and then chapter 14 talks about the, 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 the enacting of these gifts, we'll talk about when we get to chapter 14. Right, right in the middle. I want you guys to remember what this is all about. It's all about love. Like if you're not functioning in love, then all this doesn't matter. That's the whole point. Like the priority should be on love, not what the ability that you might have. As if this is like some kind of America Idol thing where, where we're vying for, for our own personal notoriety. No, we're here to function as a body to glorify God and to love each other and love this world and tell as many people about Jesus while we're here. That's what we're all about. Spiritual gifts not filtered through the lens of love are devoid of God's blessing and purpose. Let me see if I can demonstrate this to you. Over the last several years, um, something that I focus in on because it's my world, there's been a lot of these kind of prominent pastor failings, and they've all had kind of one thing, one theme in common, these megachurch pastors um, having trouble with women or having trouble with wealth or having trouble with their own self-worth and their self-worth becoming too big. And um, as you look at these case studies a little closer, you see a kind of redundant kind of a theme, and that is that these leaders would manipulate the good that their church organizations were doing in the world as a means to convince the potential whistleblower to not blow the whistle. Like, like you, you, you wouldn't want to be the reason why we stopped doing all these activities in these third world countries, would you? Like, have you shared this truthful thing that's wrong that I'm doing, and it's a, a big black eye on my character? If, if you did it, the whole thing will get shut down. Some of these organizations were one-third of a billion-dollar organizations, and, and you wouldn't want to be the reason why all these resources don't get to the world, would you? Like, you wouldn't want to be the reason you take this down, because if you share this, they'll take it all down. In essence, what they were saying is, I'm so gifted that my character doesn't matter. Look how gifted I am, look what I've built, and look what we're doing in the world, and it's so big that my character doesn't matter. Spiritual gifts not filtered through the lens of love are devoid of God's blessings and purpose. 
Well, maybe you think that doesn't really apply to me. I'm not a pastor, but the big idea still applies. Believe me, it applies. Evangelical Christianity has been greatly divided on these issues, the charismatic movement versus not. Some would say that if you speak in a heavenly language, then, or sorry, sorry, if you don't speak in a heavenly language, then there's no evidence of the baptism of the Spirit. Let me give you the cliff note version of that. You might not be saved. If you haven't spoken in tongues, you might not be saved. Some would say on the other side, if you do speak in heavenly language, then you're participating in demonic activity and following after pagan cult-like practices. Let me give you the cliff versions of that one too. Cliff notes. You might not be saved. So if you speak in tongues, you might not be saved. And if you don't speak in tongues, you might not be saved. Well, who's saved? All because we don't understand the gifts that we don't possess, while God divvies them all out and is the Father to each of us. See, spiritual gifts not filtered through the lens of love are devoid of God's blessing and purpose. I'm not being loving when I'm ascribing salvation to you or not salvation to you based on whether you can or can't or you have or have not function in any gift. Now, I have to tell you, I've never spoken in tongues. It's not been my experience. I have friends who have, and they describe it as a moment of extreme elation, worshipful elation to God, meaning uh, I get to the point where I can say no more words. It's not, I'm just so overwhelmed with God's presence. He feel like he's in the room with me, and I, I have no more words, and then all of a sudden I just start talking in this heavenly language. And you know what I would liken that to? I would liken that to when I'm sitting right there and we're worshiping God, and I feel God's in the room so so present that I just start tearing up. And you know what I think about that? I think it's worshipful. It's beautiful. It's not demonic. It's beautiful. I have nowhere else to go except for the worship of God. Could it be that out of love you might not judge the experience of one who's speaking in tongues? Could it be that out of love you might not judge the inexperience of one who doesn't speak in tongues? Spiritual gifts are not filtered through, that are not filtered through the lens of love or devoid of God blessing and purpose. As I said earlier, am I skeptical today of some of the things that go on in the name of gifts being superficial? Sure I am. But I'm just telling you, Sam Storms, Jack Deere, John Piper, Wayne Grudem, Chuck Colson, I've read all their books. These are theological heavyweights. They're not gonna lie about this. One specific story that I remember Sam Storms telling about how he felt like God came on him and prophetically told him that somebody in his group was heading towards a surgery and he felt like it was his job to say that night, the hysterectomy you're about to have is not gonna be the end of you. The specific nature of that prophecy and how that woman felt like God is with me. Man, that just seems glorifying to God to me. Have I experienced that? Nope. Never had anything like that happen to me. Never functioned in any of those type of gifts. I'm a teacher. I teach the scriptures. You see it every week. That's what I function in. That's what I understand. But I'm not going to call Sam Storms a liar. Just not going to do it. I'm going to be worshiping with him for eternity in heaven.
I'll let you know if I have a job next week. I have this desire. I got it when I was like 16 years old. I just want to know what this thing says. And I don't care what it says. I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it up here. What it says, I'll follow. And what it doesn't say, I won't say. And I won't bow to tradition. I won't bow to anything except for this word. And I'm just telling you, I'm a humble man. I could be wrong. In my study, I can't definitively say they're not for today. So I won't. And I have too many friends who function in those gifts. And God's moved. So there you have it. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes with me, and let's pray. Spiritual gifts not filtered through the lens of love are devoid of God's blessing and purpose. It's not our job to judge anyone else and tell them what their experience is or isn't. It's not our job to condemn them when we know nothing. It's our job to be loving. And that is the gift, by the way, that will last for the temporary on earth and the eternal in heaven. Father, help us be more loving people. Help us in the midst of this series on unity to remain unified. Help us that the enemy is that's such a great job of dividing the church on these issues. And I just don't want to be divided. I don't have to necessarily agree with you to love you as my brother in Christ. I don't necessarily have to have to experience everything you experienced to love you as my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ. Praise God for you. Thank you. Test everything according to the scriptures. Absolutely. Be skeptical of superficial things, sure. But don't deny the miraculous because our God is miraculous. So you can do what you want to do. You do it in your time. Do it in me if you'd like. I just want to continue in love that will remain here on earth and will remain for eternity. Help us do it. Help us do it. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. Um, well, if you're here today and uh, you don't yet know Jesus Christ and you, and you have questions about what it means to follow, I just want to say, first of all, uh, thanks for being here with us. You're in a great place to explore the scriptures and explore Jesus. And I want to encourage you to keep coming back until all your questions are answered. And just want to let you know that we're here for you. If you have questions about what it means to follow or, or something about the scriptures, that you can let us know. You can go to the welcome counter and ask someone there. There's people ready to talk to you. Um, you can go to campcc.net if you're watching online and fill out our digital communication card. And there's a way there for you to put down your questions as well. Um, and one of our pastoral staff will get back to you. We want to be with you in your journey towards Christ. Maybe you're here today and God's doing something in your heart this morning. Would you just let us know that, that there, you, know, you feel God doing something spiritually with you? And you can let us know that uh, through those two means as well. Hey, there's a lot of things coming up. One of them's Easter. Pastor David mentioned it. There's cards on your chairs. There's cards in the lobby. I want, would you consider letting God use you in someone else's life this Easter? Uh, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, um, someone who you can invite and bring with you to church. We want to see you and your families, but uh, please consider who it is that God may have in your life who needs Jesus who would benefit from being here this next weekend. Um, utilize these cards. Also, another thing I want to let you know about is a pathway class that's coming up um, next. Um, it's, uh, if you're not in a growth group, the pathway class is called Discovering Your Spiritual Growth Pathway. It's not just for new believers. It's also for anyone 
um, anywhere in their spiritual journey to who want to grow closer to God and learn about the role of the church and all kinds of different things in your walk. Um, that starts April 21st, so it's still time to sign up if you're not already in a growth group. All right, we're going to receive our offering now. Uh, there's three ways to participate, as you can see on the screen. Um, and I want to read a verse today from uh, Malachi 3.10. It says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. It's the one place in Scripture where God says to test him. He says, test me in the tithe. Bring it in and see if I don't open the storehouse from heaven and pour down blessing upon you. I don't believe you can outgive God. If you don't give, our, if you give, you know this because you've probably experienced it. If you don't give, uh, I just want to challenge you to give it a try because I think that God will bless you for it. The scripture says he will. He says to give it a test. So give it a try uh, this week. But before we go, check out what's coming out next at Camp CC. Hey Camp CC, I'm Cassie Mathis, volunteer leader at the Young Adult Group here at Camp CC. Anyone from college to 30 years old should come check us out on Tuesdays, 7 to 9 p.m. in the Activity Center. For more info, go to our Insta, youngadult.campcc, or visit campcc.net slash youngadult. If you're a first, second, or third time guest, welcome. We have gifts for you, and we want to put a face to the name. So please go to the welcome counter in the lobby with your connection card, or if you're watching online, go to campcc.net slash next steps. Check out what's coming up. April 11th to the 15th, Spring Break Scavenger Hunt. You and your family are invited to follow a series of clues that takes you to various destinations around Camarillo with the opportunity to win some great prizes like a Nintendo Switch, family pizza party, and a family movie night. For more info, grab a card from the lobby or go to camcc.net. April 15th, Good Friday Passover Experience starts at 7 p.m. Come and experience Passover like never before. Watch how the Passover connects the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you get to learn a whole new way to view communion. You don't want to miss it. For more info, go to camcc.net. April 17th, Easter Gatherings, 9 a.m. to 10.45. Who will you be inviting this Easter? Did you know many friends and family are looking for a church to attend on Easter? They're just waiting to be asked. Be praying about who you will ask to join you. Grab a card for you or and a friend or text them right now. Thursday, April 21st, Pathway Class. Join us for six weeks as you take your spiritual journey to the next level. Hear from our team of staff and elders providing tools to deepen your relationship with God and learn more about Camp CC. Space is limited though, so sign up to reserve your spot today by going to the growth group page on campcc.net or contact Jim Moyer at campcc.net for more info. Pivotal Hope, Saturday, April 30th, 10 a.m. to noon, women's tea and brunch. Join us for worship, fellowship, and some cozy dishes and drinks. The tickets are $10 and can be purchased online or on the patio. For more info, email allison at campcc.net or go to campcc.net slash women. May 27th to the 30th is Family Camp, Sage Hills in Santa Barbara. Enjoy hiking, fishing, and family games. Also enjoy a Saturday potluck dinner followed by a weekend gathering. Reserve your spot today at campcc.net. Important dates coming up, make sure and save date and check out the upcoming events at campcc.net. High School Friathon Camp is June 19th to the 24th. 
and middle school Catalina trip is August 5th to the 8th. To stay in the loop of what's going on at CanCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, please go to cancc.net. So today, what I got out of the message was we all love God as one and in unity. The gift of love permeates past this world and far into eternity. Spiritual gifts are not, not filtered through the gift of love are devoid of God's purpose and blessing. Remember, if it's your first, your second, or third time here, go to the welcome counter to get your gift. If you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. Don't forget to check out the scavenger hunt in the lobby or at camcc.net and totally invite somebody to join you for Easter weekend. For those here on campus, please have a seat for a quick announcement from Pastor Dave. For those at home, we will see you next week and thank you for joining us on Palm Sunday.